Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of Season 9 for Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn, and I want to thank everyone so much. We've gotten so much love on social media um, regarding the first episode. And coming back, yeah, it has been quite a while since uh, December 30th, 2019, since we had the last episode. But it's good to know that people still are happy to hear from us. Uh, we have a full season. Uh, someone asked a question. The season is is not yet dated as far as the last episode, but typically it's 12 weeks long, so that would put us somewhere around the end of September. Um, not yet sure yet, but I'll, I'll make sure that you're um, updated on that. You can always look on the website at livewithwill.com. That's www.livewithwill.com dot com for all the up-to-date information about upcoming guests, um, giveaways, and of course the the calendar for the the season, season nine. So we have a good show for you today. We have um, our special guest is Miss Dawn D'Amico. She is a fitness coach. Actually, my my guest co-host is also uh, a fitness coach, um, but she's going to talk to us about the role of vulnerability and building confidence. And she has a good story. She has a story about, um, of course, building confidence, but also how she had to go through the struggle of, you know, merging her sexuality with her faith. So that is a a big part of our show coming up at the end. But we're going to start. My guest co-host is Mr. Alfredo Zapata. He is a fitness and nutrition coach. So we're going to go ahead and welcome to the show Alfredo. How are you doing, sir? Thank you, Will. Uh, I'm doing great. And here in Mexico City, a little warm, but very excited to be here with you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So warm like what? What's the temperature? Well, uh, here like about 30-something degrees. I don't know what uh, – is that uh, Celsius over there? Or? 30 degrees. So it's hot. It's hot over there. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I, yeah, it's been a little cloudy these couple of days, but yeah, you can feel it. So you need a little fan going on. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we were. Um, I took a cruise and we stopped over in Mexico briefly, of course, in December, and it was beautiful over there. Um, and I hope to come back. The weather was gorgeous over here. We're in Virginia, and it was like close to ninety today. Kind of muggy. <laughs> it's been raining for over a week. So I mean, like heavy storms. So yeah, can't wait till yeah, the Yeah, so you're a fitness coach, a nutrition and fitness coach. And when I was looking online, I saw that you've been in it for like over oh, 27 years. Yeah, it's about 30 years, and I've been going in different routes, just learning how to help people to get better, you know, from the inside out, which is part of my program, uh, connecting mind and body. 
Connecting my okay. So tell us about your program. Yeah, well, this program uh, became a little more solid in terms of the structure because growing up it was more like uh, trying to feel something to feel secure. The only child mm-hmm. from a single mom in the '60s. Imagine in Mexico when everybody families had like three, four kids. I was the only one. So connected mind and body out of wanting to connect the movement of the body and feeling secure, feeling complete. You know, I was pretty young, five, six years old, but yeah. now taking it to the actual real world, when you connect the mind and your body, you're actually the whole body and mind making an impact in what you do because sometimes yeah. you just think about doing things out of an automatic pilot Mm-hmm. And you don't think about your body. You only eat when you're hungry. Or yeah. you eat when you're angry, when you're mm-hmm. happy, or when you're frustrated. But you normally don't eat good because mm-hmm. there's an emotional eating pattern. Exactly. But once you learn that you need to nourish your body like a baby, mm-hmm. you start putting more effort. And your body starts functioning much better. So you're kind of connecting the whole thing and instead of mm-hmm. just doing it out of an obligation. So and let working, me ask you, know, you this. Athlete. Say it again. So let me ask you this question. So you, you're saying the, the diet part. I hear you saying. I hear a lot of fitness coaches saying that it's a lot of a lot about what you eat. Because I've been trying to lose weight um, probably for half my life. I've, my family. I come from a large family. So and like you said, I eat when I'm busy. So I'm not eating the healthiest foods. I eat when I'm bored. I eat when I'm frustrated. And it's, and it's not the healthiest thing. How much of it is actually the fitness part, me being active? Because because of my schedule, you know, I don't go to the gym as much as I belong to two gyms, but I don't go to them because I don't have time. And when I do have time, I'm just laying around. So is it like uh, equal, equal, or what's more important if I really want to get in shape? And I'm in my 50s, 52. Yeah, well, actually, the the main thing that I uh, that I use on my program is make the person conscious about how much stress they've been carrying since they were young, because the postural stress can change your mood. Even though you're mm-hmm. thinking to eat right and to exercise, if you have an ache on your neck or lower back or knees or elbows, especially if you're sedentary, mm-hmm. you're gonna think in the wrong way. So your emotional pattern is going to trigger you to, uh, my neck hurts, so I'm going to eat whatever, or I'm not going to eat because I'm angry and my neck hurts. So right. right there, if you're able to learn, which is what I teach in my program, position yourself correctly so you reduce the stress. Maybe you sit mm-hmm. up straight, you tuck your belly button, you put better the keyboard so you can type better and don't have a stress on your arms. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a better mood to choose the right food. So then you start learning how to connect your mind and body, right? Then you eat yeah. good. And then when mm-hmm. you exercise because you feel good and you look good, you start detonating the changes in your body to make either lose weight, tone up your muscles, or feel strong but mm-hmm. it doesn't work in any other way because if you go organic and you have a bad posture and then you have a bad mood the organic food is not going to be digested well 
Ah, okay. So it takes, it's all, it takes all, all of it together then. Yeah, the whole program. Yeah, it's three mm-hmm. parts program, which is analyzing your posture, showing you in a picture your posture, so you start changing the pattern of how you see yourself. Uh-huh. Not what I say, but what you see. You see your crooked shoulder, you're rotating the elbow, your shoulder blade, your belly button is popped up. But when you see the right posture on your body, which is what I tell people, three points to align your posture, you look better, you feel better, then your confidence builds up. And then you say, I'm going to eat good because I look good, I feel better. It's kind of like a plastic surgery in five minutes. Yeah. And then when when you exercise – the exercise is going to be the detonator. It's kind of like you put the the ring off the grenade and explodes, and that's when the muscles start toning up, burning fat, and feeling great. That's yeah. the whole premise. Mm-hmm. So l- let me ask you this, Alfredo. For a person who's extremely busy but wants to get into shape, wants to do better, and they don't have a lot of time. I'll just tell you, I don't have a lot of time. What 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 do I need to do as far as fitness? Because I don't have like four days a week, an hour and a half in the gym. I, 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 I don't have it right now. Is there anything that I can do that would be beneficial to me? Um, give me some yeah, advice. Of course. Yeah, well, yeah. of course. Yeah, you can start with the rituals of before you go to bed and when you wake up before you start going your activity. I said that first. Because if you disconnect your mind from any electronic or any devices or anything that distracts your mind before you go to bed, mm-hmm. you're going to have a better chance to go into a deep sleep cycle. Oh, wow. And then you're going to rest and really recover your body. So when you wake up, mm-hmm. you're not going to be like a zombie and stiff, but you're going to feel better because your mind is clear. Yeah. You're not thinking about... You're not going to be thinking about what happened yesterday or you're not going to be mad because you were mm-hmm. talking to somebody or you were mm-hmm. looking at the action movie. Mm-hmm. Then you feel more relaxed. And then yeah. when you wake up, if you do a little ritual of, you know, relax, a little meditation, a couple of five minutes, just breathing, maybe briefly stretching your arms, your lower back mm-hmm. before you get up, then the circulation start going in your body. You have a little more alert mind before you mm-hmm. go and get the, the coffee cup and you start doing your thing. That ritual is going to help you because if you schedule that, you're going to be able to schedule a little snack during the day, maybe a little stretching. 15 to 20 minutes workout basically can help you to start metabolizing your nutrients better. Instead of pulling, like in your case, that you have a busy schedule saying, oh, I need to go to the gym, and yeah. I have to do the treadmill, I have to do everything. That's a conventional way of thinking. But you can do it at home. I do mm-hmm. it at home, and, you know, I'm 60, and I don't look like 60, and I've been sure working know. out, so, there, sure so there is no excuse for someone to do that because I've done it. I do uh, Zoom classes with people. Oh, in 20 wow. minutes, I tell them, okay, well, Sit up straight, lay on the ground, get up. You start feeling the pump on your on your blood. You start feeling good, and then that's it. Go home. Really? And and see you later. Yeah, sure. 
because why would I want to put more stuff on your schedule when you're already loaded up with things yeah. to do? Yeah. And yeah. then later, you may be able to intensify that in a short amount of time, but they have more benefit because you do the other stuff, which is eating better, sleeping more relaxed. So the changes start going on your body, and the chemical hormonal balance start tuning up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, we can talk after after the show and probably give you a little session. You can feel the, the whole program, how it works. Okay. Cause, yeah, because when you said Zoom, that got my attention right there because I can definitely fit that in because I do a lot of work from home, but I'm busy. So that sure. works. That works for me. That's good. All right. So how can people, any of our listeners that want to also talk to you about what you can do or find out how they can get in contact with you, what's, what's the way they can reach you or your social media? Yeah, well, Instagram is the best. And then if they go on my bio, on my, on my, the link on my bio, they can sketch a 15 minutes free call to find out what they need and how can I help them. So they can go to Alfredo Zapata Coach on Instagram. They hit on my link and they can see the calendly so they can book the 15 minutes discovery call for free and then I can, you know, talk to them and, and answer any questions they have. Okay, awesome. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to jump into the question of the day. So the question I had posted on social media was what's your go-to way to deal with a stressful day? And we kind of we kind of talked about this already. But these are what two of the people who posted so Angie on Facebook said, I set aside 20 minutes a day to unwind, relax, disconnect from everything and everyone, and, and just collect my thoughts with a nice glass of wine, LOL. And then Sheila from Instagram said, I work from home, so usually I need a change in scenery. So I try to go for a walk through the neighborhood, or I sit by the lake and just stare into the water and allow my mind to wander and relax. So I don't know. I was thinking about this question because I have this on my Apple Watch. I have this thing that I guess reads or whatever, and it's always telling me to take deep breaths. You're you're overwhelmed or <laughs> you need to unwind. I'm like, well, what am I doing? But I do feel tension all the time in my in my shoulders because people are telling me to relax my shoulders. So I don't know what. I, I don't have a go-to thing yet. I guess that's what I need to talk to you about. But what do you do? What, what's your go-to way to deal with a stressful day? Or do you have stressful days? You've been in the business for uh, Yes, I do. And what I do, it's a method. The mm-hmm. uh, science has been discovered and it's hard to snap when you have that stress moment or when you take the moment to unwind, like this uh, lady said on the on uh, Facebook or Instagram, you said, mm-hmm. and it's called counting backwards from five to one. So, for example, you're pretty stressful, and then you get up from your seat, or you're sitting down, and you notice, and you start getting agitated, or you're stressed out. So you just count five, four, three, two, one. You get mm-hmm. up, you go walk, you go to the bathroom, you go change scenery if you're in the office or in your uh, apartment. You look at the window, you're trying to, you know, see something. So you're distracting your mind that you're breaking the pattern with that particular cue. The mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one will change the pattern on your brain, and then you can do something else. 
Oh, five, four, three, two, one. Count backwards. I'm gonna have to write that yeah, down. Yeah, before you know, if you don't, if you don't have a, a hot water at the shower, what do you do? You take a shower or not? In my case, I've been taking cold showers for many years, but some people they say no, it's December, it's too cold, it's like yeah. ice cold. I don't care. So you do five, four, three, two, one. You get inside. Once mm. the water starts going to your body, your body automatically is gonna be adjusting temperature. And your energy is going to start boosting up. It's just a matter of trying it, but you need a cue to start to enter kind of like a, a little portal, like, you know, yeah. Mr. Uh, what's it called? Dr. Strange. Yes. Uh-huh. Then, then the portal opens and then you go in. That's how you do it. It seems silly, but when you try it, it really works because you start training your mind to snap in that moment, instead of getting, like, you know, you're getting agitated, you're talking to somebody, you're mad, and you want to cause a person or something, uh-huh. you stop for a moment and you say, five, four, three, two, one, changing your uh, your uh, frame of mind, you know, what you're thinking. Okay. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that tonight, Alfredo. I'm, I'm going to have to let you know how that goes. Me and cold water, sure. I'm going to try the cold water to see if I can <laughs> see if I can manage it. But I'm going to try Yeah. That. Okay, so on social media, Steve Harvey, who's a self-acclaimed relationship coach now, and the comedian uh, Monique, they've been having a little disagreement about what they feel a woman needs to bring to the table in terms of relationship. And Steve Harvey, he seems to think that a woman doesn't need to bring anything. The man should handle everything. The woman is prized (laughs) enough, blah, blah, blah. Monique said that's not right. And I would think that would be the other way around, but I have little clips of both of them talking. I'm going to play them real quickly. So this is Steve Harvey giving his thoughts. See, these dudes kill me. That's what's wrong with this generation today. These young boys today, what do she bring to the table? The hell you mean, man? What do your ass bring to the table? You got a woman that can come to the table that can make another you. What else she need to slide up to the table with? What about your job? What happened to men who were supposed to be responsible? Do you know that it's our job to take care of a woman and some children to have a family? That's our damn job. Okay. So this is, <laughs> yeah, this is Monique's response. Being with somebody that make you happy, that treat you special, and you can do the same. All I'm starting, not all, that's too general. I'm hearing a lot of how much money is involved. I'm hearing a lot of what your stuff, what you bring into the table. You hearing people say that a woman don't have to bring nothing to the table. Yes, the what? And it don't have to be about the money. But wouldn't it be nice if she brought a good attitude? Wouldn't it be nice if she brought a nurturing uh, 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 disposition about herself? Wouldn't it be nice if she could make a goddamn cake from scratch? Wouldn't it be nicer if you woke up Sunday morning and the house was filled up with Sunday dinner smells? Wouldn't it be nice we are not talking about that no more? We're talking about how much money. And that is what I believe is just tearing our community down even further, my baby. Okay. All right. So two different sides of the of the coin. Um, so what do you think? What, what do you think? Yeah, you think actually, what- I... I- yeah, actually, I saw that little clip uh, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, and yeah, well, 
I think both sides have some kind of true, but Steve mm-hmm. kind of went too far to the old school. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. when when, thi- when things should be in certain way, and that calls more as a society uh, governance or yeah. way of doing things just because. And then mm-hmm. this lady, it has more of a meaning of, of feelings and caring and empathy. Yeah. And I believe that both parties need to put on the table how they're going to be communicating, like, you know, the language of love of each of yeah. them, because yeah. everybody has a way to give love, to mm-hmm. receive love, mm-hmm. and the whole combination can enhance that relationship. But because if you're going to be like a business uh, agreement, mm-hmm. it's going to be like too dry because you're talking about besides chemistry, because yeah. the energy that everybody exudes, if you have a bad you know, temper and bad uh, mindset, even though you have the money and you say, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And then she said, okay, I'm going to cook. I'm going to be the loving wife. It's not going to work even though it looks in picture pretty nice and colorful because mm-hmm. someone has a bad attitude and the bad attitude is going to make you just do it out of an obligation, right. not out of, out of love. Out of love. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree with you. I think um, like Monique was saying, it's a partnership. And even though you may be in a relationship, Steve was saying, you know, it's the man's job to basically pay the bills, support the family. I think he's talking more financial. And that may be the situation. Perhaps she's a work-from-home wife, but it should be a partnership where if she's not contributing to the – if she's not bringing money to the table, you know, a good attitude. Perhaps she's the one who takes care of the house. Perhaps she's the one that takes care of the child. Perhaps she's contributing whatever they discuss. Like you said, the communication is key. How are we going to make this marriage or relationship work? And I think both people need to be able to contribute to that. It doesn't have to be money. But I don't think that I think Steve's message that the the woman does not have to contribute or bring anything to the table. I, I think that's a bad message to send out because then there are going to be a lot of guys being taken advantage of. And like you were saying, I think marriage is a partnership. I think it's all about communication and you guys deciding on what works best for you. Yeah, because w- what if you break your leg and you cannot work? You're the guy. How are yeah. you going to provide? Yeah. And then she's going to say, oh, well, you're responsible. I'm going to dump you because you're not doing <laughs> it. So that's yeah. wrong. And she's going to be just entitled, like a lot of the millennials. They say, well, mm-hmm. I'm your oh, son. Right. you got to be providing for me. And no, that's right. wrong because he's going to break sooner or later. And it's not going to be out of good intentions and responsible for doing uh, what is it called? The adapting of the mm-hmm. situation. Exactly. There's nothing set on stone. There's never or always something that is right because mm-hmm. things can change in a minute. In a minute. Yeah, and I've seen it happen many times. So you're right there. What was one of the topics that you wanted to talk about? We have a few more minutes left. Yeah, well, one of the things is that um, – how people view mental health as something needed. Mm-hmm. 
especially in this uh, in this time, you know, after COVID and everything else, people got stopped and panic and start thinking about that. When Absolutely. it's been going on, the drama and the trauma for many generations, and mm-hmm. people have been programmed and even damaged in their mental health because mm-hmm. of abuse, repression, different things, and how family grew. And then mm-hmm. when you are in the world by yourself, and you're in, in, you know, like in a relationship or anything, you don't think about how healthy are you, not just physically, but mentally. Well, mentally, right. You're is right. Is your microbiome, which is the second brain, healthy? A lot of people don't know that the, the, the gut is the one that generates more than 95% of neurons that connect with the brain in order to work properly, emotional and the whole hormonal balance. Mm-hmm. So if people have a bad mental health, could be because they have a bad gut, healthy microbiome, and then vice versa. Yeah. People are with the trauma, they have a bad digestion, they have a bad, you know, outcome in how they behave and do things. So once they start thinking about that, is when they can start achieving optimal health from the inside out. Oprah Winfrey was talking about, you know, different situations of stress. Yeah. Wayne The Rock was talking about the anxiety and depression that he had, Michael mm-hmm. Phelps as well. So it's been studies for over 20 years about mental health, but now mm-hmm. people start kind of looking at mental health going to the psychologist. Yeah. But don't looking at how healthy are you in the inside, not just in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and think that's it's, one of the problems. It's definitely, it's definitely a total picture. I, I forgot to say that when um, the the pandemic hit, I had to pull out one of my master's degrees, and I'm a mental health counselor as well. So we saw a large influx of people coming in for services because they couldn't know how, they didn't know how to deal with the anxiety, like you said, depression. And you know, one of the biggest populations that we saw coming to the office was the younger people. Because, you know, they, mm-hmm. they weren't in school. They weren't socializing. And they didn't know how to deal with what was going on. So, like you said, part of the total health is also dealing with that mental health aspect of it in your inside. So, you're right. You're right. Very well said. I appreciate that. So, again, people can contact you by going to – what was your website? Uh, oh, you said Instagram. Instagram. Oh, Instagram. My handle. Yeah. I'll first about the coach. And right there, they can book the free discovery call, and I'll be happy to talk to them. If they speak Espanol, welcome. If they speak English, I'll try my best. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to get in contact with you for that call so that you can help me do some things through Zoom, because that that sounded good for me. That sounded good for my schedule. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Hope you have a good day. Thank you, Will. No Talk problem. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And our featured guest, Ms. Dawn D'Amico, she is in the studio. So we're going to be back right after this break to talk about the role of vulnerability in building confidence. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Hi, I'm Amine. Sometimes starting a conversation with a friend about mental health can feel awkward, but your support can make a huge difference. You know your friends best, so if you feel like something's wrong, trust your instinct and reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at seizetheawkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. Hey, y'all. Cedric the Entertainer here with Niecy Nash, taking a break from shooting the soul man to introduce you to patients. Hi. Patience is a patient at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for anything because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. St. Jude won't give up until they end childhood cancer, sickle cell, and other deadly diseases. Because of you, there is St. Jude. Learn more at stjude.org. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. So our featured guest again is Mrs. Dawn D'Amico. She is the owner and powerhouse behind Epic Redemption Coaching. As a speaker, author, and coach, Dawn ignites minds, drives productivity, and instills unshakable confidence, specializing in mindset, productivity, and confidence. She empowers individuals to break free from limitations and live fearlessly and authentically. Please help me welcome to the show, Ms. Dawn D'Amico. Welcome to the show, Dawn. Hey, Will. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. No problem. So I just wanted – I was looking all on your Instagram, your your um, Facebook, your LinkedIn, and you are in shape. So I want to ask you, what did you have for breakfast this morning? What did you have? Ooh, this morning I had eggs and toast. Eggs? And, and is that like a normal breakfast Super, for you? Super exciting. <laughs> A normal, a normal breakfast for me is typically an egg scramble. I like to throw in some spinach, some peppers when I'm wild and crazy, some onions uh, with just, you know, a piece of whole grain toast. Sometimes I'll mm-hmm. do a little avocado mash on top with some everything but the bagel seasoning. Really? But, yeah, oh. kick, kick off the day with – oh, heck, yeah. Kick off the day with, with a good mix of protein and veggies, a little carb uh-huh. for some extra kick. Okay, Get so what was the carb? What, which one were the car? I didn't hear. I didn't hear bread. What was? Oh, what was my the car? my uh, whole whole grain whole grain toast. Okay, your whole grain toast. Okay, because I was talking to my co- guest co-host. He's also a fitness coach, and we were just talking about um, how important it is to move, but also the food that you digest. So I've been trying to get in shape for like what I'm 52 for about 52 years. I've been trying to get in yep. shape, and it's just so hard. Because my schedule is hectic. I'm usually eating on the go. So, you know, I, I need some help. But how long, how long have you lived this healthy lifestyle? Has it been your whole life or what? I want to say yes, but absolutely not. I was, um, I was a dual sport collegiate athlete. Mm-hmm. It was back in the day when I was just grinding as far as the fitness. And while, mm-hmm. you know, coaches started talking about nutrition then, we didn't have those nutrition coaches on staff. We weren't, you know, following any kind of strict regimen. So I really stayed in shape because when you're young, if you're moving, it's a lot easier to keep the weight off. And between all of the lifting and workouts, I was naturally able to just kind of stay in shape. For me, the problem happened when I graduated and I wasn't competing anymore. And so not only was I no longer working out at the rate or pace I was, let's face it, I didn't work out at all at that point. I continued to eat horribly. 
And in less than two years, I put on a solid 40 pounds. And I'm five, I'm five, five and three quarters, Mm -hmm. three quarters in there. And so when you're carrying (laughs) around an extra 40 pounds, uh, it was a bad scene. I had had a couple knee surgeries in college that eventually a few years ago led to a total knee replacement and having all that extra weight was, it was killing me. And I struggled when it came to going to the weight room, which is absurd because I was an, you know, all American power lifter, <laughs> but mm-hmm, right. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to create my own program. I, mm-hmm. I was coached, you know, somebody told me what to do. I did it. So when I was stuck going to the gym on my own, pounds overweight after, you know, college accolades as an athlete, I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't, and I hit out. I finally started getting back in shape and really taking care of myself uh, the last eight to nine years. Wow. And that's how, and- how I, got it. I got into coaching. I ended up falling in love with the process of just rediscovering how to take care of my body, actually discovering how to take care of my body, Mm-hmm. in a healthy, sustainable way where it's not just, a, you know, pounding. When you're young, you just run and jump and do crazy things. Well, as a woman that was aging with knee issues, I couldn't do that anymore. And so I had to really focus on new ways to move my body mm-hmm. that didn't have the same kind of impact. I needed to learn how to eat in a way that I could still continue to lose weight, feel good, have energy. And that all led me down the path of, you know, once I discovered that, I'm like, I need to help other people do this. I need to help other women that are in my situation get the weight off so they can feel good and strong and healthy. And, you know, that's kind of everything that I've done the last couple years as far as work has been out of a need that I had myself. And once I started to figure out how to overcome that, I'm like, okay. I got to share this with some other people. (laughs) I got to help them do, do what I so desperately needed. Exactly. Yeah. And you're a walking billboard. I mean, you look amazing. You're, you're in shape. I saw you jumping up and down while you're in the kitchen. Was that yesterday? (laughs) Oh, you you saw a dance party Monday, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Oh yeah. Every morning I start, I start the week with a dance party in the kitchen. It's horrible. Oh, well, it looked good to me. You got me going. On social media, you can't stop. You can't stop. Exactly. 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 Well, I'm excited to talk to you. A little bit, number one, about your coming out story um, that my assistant told me about that I connected with, with your faith. But then again, your your confidence is infectious. And I want just for you to just pour a little bit of how we can begin that confidence building. A lot of us, through the pandemic, through weight loss or weight gain, Right. Um, have lost a lot of the confidence that we once had. So hopefully you'll be able to impart some wisdom on how we can start to rebuild that. But um, just to start that's things the goal. off, that's the goal. That is the goal. Um, give, give us a little bit of information about, we know that you, you're you author. You, you've written the book, yeah. book, the workbook. You're a coach. Um, who, who else is Don D'Amico? Give us a little bit more about you, your life, and what's gotten you here? Wow. Well, like I said, I the coaching that I do, so I do fitness and nutrition coaching. I also coach other fitness and nutrition coaches, the business aspect, and then I speak on the mindset, um, productivity, and confidence. And it's because over the years, those things have all – I've needed in some way. I used to always identify as an athlete, right? I was I – was, an athlete from the time I could move until I graduated college. And that was an identity that I held on to. And when I graduated college and was no longer a competitive athlete, I got lost. 
And so mm. that was where a lot of that weight came on, right? Like, yeah, I mm-hmm. stopped working out, but then I got the depression, the anxiety. I wasn't coping well. So I decided to, you know, eat and drink in order to cope with those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, suffered through that vicious cycle of, you know, finding out who I am. And this, you know, whole time that identity crisis I thought I was going through was not being an athlete. Of course, you mentioned a little bit of the coming out story stuff. I guess there was a lot deeper stuff going on that I didn't realize as well throughout my life at that point. Um, but I, I am the coolest aunt in the world. I've got the most amazing niece and nephew. They, um, they don't think I'm the coolest aunt in the world anymore. They're nine and twelve. <laughs> I, um, I was married. I now, um, I live by myself. I'm dating. I'm exploring life. Finally, at 44 doing the things that I want to do. I was married 16, 16 and a half years, and um, my ex was in the military, so I spent a lot of time supporting his career and learning to be that good military spouse. I played that mm-hmm. role. I played it really well. I mm-hmm. enjoyed a lot of it, but through that, through moving every couple years, I never really figured out who I was. You know, after the mm-hmm. athletic career ended, it was who am I? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? And I yeah. – while I was struggling and lost, I fell into somebody else's life and started living their life. Mm-hmm. And when, when he had retired and it was like, hey, what do you, I want to do? I didn't know mm-hmm. anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm on this cool late in half life figuring out what I want to do and what makes me happy and who makes me happy to be around. And, yeah, really just trying to live life to the fullest and help other people do that sooner than I did. Help shortcut yeah. some of the the pitfalls that I fell into over the the course of the last several years. Absolutely. So, one thing I heard in just you speaking right there, you were saying initially that your identity with being Don mm-hmm. the athlete, and then when that fell yeah. down, you, you you fed that with the food and things like that, and that's mm-hmm. when a lot of the weight Absolutely. came on. So there was another role. You were the military wife. And then when Mm -hmm. that was no more, how did you manage to deal with that? Not well. I I would always throw myself into something. Um, And one of the cool things about being an athlete, which I rediscovered over time as I started moving my body and as I started taking care of myself again, I realized that being an athlete was more about the mindset than it was about the physical capabilities that I had or didn't have anymore. And so I started Um, applying the things that I did as an athlete to my life to start to get myself back on track. I actually have a second book coming out um, next month called Champion Rising. And and it talks, it's more specifically about mindset, but it's really the lessons that I learned as a basketball player, as an athlete, how those translate into everyday life. You know, that we know that consistency is what gets us results in anything we're doing, right? right? You're struggling to drop the weight because you just can't get consistent because your schedule's so crazy. Exactly. Right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, as an athlete, you, you just put in the work, you do it, you make it happen because, you know, if I didn't want to go to practice, it wasn't a question. You just go, you do the things you're supposed to do and you know, you're not going to see the, the instant result. That's going to happen over time. And mm-hmm. so when you can start applying some of those principles to everyday life, suddenly you're not relying on whether you're motivated to do something. You're now disciplined to do it. Mm-hmm. And as I started to learn some of those pieces, 
that's how I started implementing them. And I started everything I did. I would just kind of go in full force, fully immerse myself in what I was doing. After I graduated, I and before I got married, I was working as a social worker. And so how I was focusing at that time, I took on that identity. Mm-hmm. At the same time, all of those things were going on. I was starting to really grow in my faith and my faith formation. And understanding and learning that those are all pieces of who I was but really my identity was I was a child of God, right? Yeah, like I belong right. to him. And when I started to identify there and place my identity and trust in him, you know, things, things got a little better. Of course, and it, for a period of time because we're adults and things hit us from all angles. But that's where I started to realize it wasn't about what I did. It was more about who I was. It wasn't that I was a basketball player. It wasn't that I spent time as a social worker. It wasn't that I was a military wife. Those were pieces that contributed to who I am. And even now, you know, as as a gay woman, you know, mm-hmm. being out, that's not my, identi- my identity. That's a part right. of who I am. Like, right. I am gay, but know that, like, that's not my identity anymore. And so being able to learn and understand and face that's been huge. Mm-hmm. Of course, when your faith and that faith formation is what got you through a lot of dark times where I struggled in a marriage. I said, I got, you know, I was, I divorced. I went through a lot of moves with the military and and that life, while there was so many good things, it's a hard life. And so I was really diving into my faith and my friendships and relationships with other women were through the church Mm -hmm. and my faith, I, I'm Catholic on top of it. So my faith doesn't really jive with my sexuality. And right. So that was really hard. And I think that that piece made it a lot harder for me to finally come to terms with that part of who I am. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons it took so long. I've got the most incredibly supportive family and friends. Even the family that's like, I'm not really sure about this. I don't uh-huh. really approve of this they also yeah yeah but they're also like okay we need time you know we don't we don't want to see it and hear about it like in our face yeah but they're they're okay with me it's not like you know i'm going to disown you or i'm going to talk bad about you and but and i knew i knew that my family and friends would be supportive of me it was me that struggled i didn't accept it I kept talking myself out of it, and and that was a struggle when you're trying to deny a big part of who you are. And, you know, you, we talk about confidence, the, the biggest piece of confidence. For me, it started with taking care of my body. It uh-huh. wasn't just because I was losing weight, right? It's easy to say when you lose weight, you're going to you're gonna, – when you look better, you feel better. It wasn't even the losing weight. I hadn't lost weight when I started getting my confidence back. It's because I was doing something for me. Mm-hmm. I was finally oh. committing to something that was for myself. I was getting up and doing the work every day. And so it was that process of starting to put me first, that process of moving my body before I saw any of it. You know, your guest talks about how important it is to move and what it does. You know, I I caught the end of what he was saying with your microbiome and your gut and your gut health. When you get all of those pieces working together, it it affects your psychology in a huge Mm -hmm. way. And so I started to grow there, and I used to think that that's where everything started. You know, it started with taking care of your body. What I learned through the process of, you know, I, I started to try to write Courage Rising, my um, personal development book on how to develop confidence, 
I started to write it over a year before it came out, and I had to put it aside. It just it wasn't coming together right. And finally, when I did sit down to write it, I wrote it in two weeks because it had been in my head for so long. But the piece that was missing was I was trying to write a book about confidence while I was still in the closet. Oh, my gosh. Yes. How, yes. like, and I mean, to say it out loud now sounds absurd. Like, clearly I couldn't write it then, but I couldn't see that at the time. Uh-huh. And when it, yeah. when it, when I did finally start writing it, and I, I just kept feeling called, like, I'm supposed to do this book. I need to get it out. Oh. And I, when I was writing it, before I did, I was like, I tried to write this. It didn't work, but I think this is, you know, and I was going through all of this crazy conversation out loud. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, and she was like, of course you're supposed to write it, but you couldn't, like, you were supposed to write it. You just couldn't write it when you were trying because yeah. you weren't ready to write it when you were trying. You needed to experience, you needed to experience more successes and more failures, right? You have to oh, go through those God. things to develop confidence. And then she's like, yeah. and hello, like, look at how you've grown as a person. You've come mm-hmm. out. You're experiencing life in new ways. Like, you needed that piece. And it's so clear now that I look back, of course I couldn't write it. And to me, the biggest piece is you, in order to truly be confident and be comfortable is being in alignment with who you are. Well, I could do all of the other things I talked about in the book and, and throughout the book, I give a step-by-step blueprint on how to become more confident. The biggest piece is you have to be in alignment with who you are, you know, how you speak, how you dress, how you act who you surround yourself with, like all of those pieces have to be in alignment. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in alignment, you're going to be off. And it's why I couldn't write the book. I wasn't in alignment. You weren't in alignment, right. So is that the same thing as you have to become authentic? Authentic is a word that's yes. used so frequently yes. now because of being in alignment with who you are. I can get that because I yes. too have been trying to write a book for the past, what, six years? And I cannot because mm-hmm. I feel like I have – symptoms of the imposter syndrome also like if I write this book I feel like I'm going to be a hypocrite because I'm not totally delivered from that area that I'm trying to coach other people through so I haven't written Mm -hmm. and I've gotten the same advice that it's just not time yet you still have some more growing to do so that that was a huge confirmation for me to hear you say that and I think some, some of it is the growing piece and then of course some of it is you just you just have to do it because yeah. while maybe you're not there yet, that book is going to touch somebody that needs it. When I, mm. when I wrote my book, I just kept feeling this calling that I'm supposed to do it. I need to do it. Yeah. But part of why I did it was because I wanted a book because I want to speak. Mm-hmm. I didn't think my message was going to be delivered through a book. I was using the book as a tool to build credibility so that I could Open try to speak, yeah. which I want to speak on that topic. It's I do want to help people with confidence. And mm-hmm. so – Writing the book, I didn't think it was going to have the impact. I didn't do all the things you're supposed to do. My first book, I did everything wrong, and it still it still turned out just fine. But mm-hmm. I didn't have a specific audience in mind. I was really writing what I learned, my experience. You're always mm-hmm. supposed to know who your audience is before you do anything like that. But I didn't, and I did it anyway. And the audience mm-hmm. revealed itself. Some of the women that read the book, and I, I really only pushed it out through my own social media channel. Again, I have the most loving and supportive family and friends and Facebook and Instagram following that these women would message me and tell me the ways this book impacted them. Women, mm. I'm like, one, I, I don't know you. Like, I know we're, we are on the same friends list, but I don't actually know them. 
And they bought the book, read it, and it impacted them. And I was like, wow, this isn't, you know, when you do what, again, you're being called to do, it doesn't make sense, it doesn't feel right. When the timing is there, it's like, wow. When you listen to and follow that call, and yeah. is it, it's by no stretch of the imagination perfect. You know, at first, right in the beginning, I talk about, you know, I went through all the imposter syndrome. Who am I to write a book? Who am I to write yeah. a book on confidence? Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not there. You know, it talks about where I've struggled and where I came out. But the people that need to read it, what they gained from it was so valuable. Yeah. And it drove home the point that, yeah, you sometimes just got to leap when you don't have any idea what it's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's purpose. It may not be perfect, but it yeah. was perfect. So, yeah, that, I, I definitely relate to it being a calling and you feeling like you, you, you need to get that out. But you, you had mentioned yeah, but yeah, and timing your, is huge. Uh-huh, timing. Timing. Okay, so elaborate on that a little bit more. It was huge, and that I did need to go through. You know, I, I talk and I joke, yeah, I wrote a book in two weeks, but it had been in my head and in my heart for a year. It was just kind of working through the pieces that needed to happen. Um, when I wrote it, it didn't feel like it was an opportune time. Mm -hmm. I was getting ready to launch another program that I had been building with a coach and Mm -hmm. it just didn't feel right. And I, I, something didn't feel right about launching that other program. That other program led to the second book, but like, you know what? I need to do this and I need to do it now. And all of a sudden when the pieces came together, it happened really quickly, but it's being open to knowing that I don't it's not all up to me all the time and sometimes following your gut when you just really don't know why or where it's taking you. Right. Right. So I'm also hearing, like you said earlier, that your faith plays a big part in what you do. So being coming out as a lesbian, being authentic with who you are um, in alignment with who you are. So how did you begin to reconcile that with your Catholic faith? That was, so incredibly hard. I grew up in a really sheltered part of New York State, <laughs> sheltered part of Westchester County, um, not very diverse in any way. You know, most mm-hmm. of the people that I, you know, you, you get, you graduate, you go to a four-year college, you get married, you have kids, and you make it work. Whether you mm-hmm. marry the right person or not, like, you, figure, you either you just stay miserable and married or you make it work, right? That's what you do. Um, it wasn't commonly accepted to be gay. I didn't know many people that were gay until I went to college, right? I was an athlete. Of course, I met a mm-hmm. lot of um, a lot of women that, uh, a lot of lesbians in college. But for me, it, it was a struggle because I was very connected to my faith. I, you know, read my Bible daily. I mm-hmm. dove into the word. I listened to God's call and I struggled. I spent years trying to pray away feelings, right? I don't know if you ever, if you ever did that whole yeah. pray it away. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, I'm feeling things that I know I'm not supposed to take it away uh-huh. from me. And it wasn't until I finally, I found, I felt peace, point where I didn't want to pray it away anymore, where I got to the mm-hmm. point where I know God didn't make a mistake with me. Mm-hmm. I know that this isn't, this was some, I was born this way. And that, that was hard for me. And, you know, I have people that will still point to scripture, the same scripture that I pointed at when I was, you know, toting the line, when I was Mm -hmm. like the walking 
spokesperson against homosexuality in the church. Like I was that person that said you might be born that way, but just because that's how, that's how you feel doesn't mean that you should act on it. I was that person. Said those words out loud. Mm -hmm. And to think about people that I said that to and how that may have cut them down, um, mm-hmm. how that may have discouraged them from living, you know, the life that that made them happy. And yeah. I'm not saying that we should just follow what makes us happy. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, there was a lot of time and prayer and reflection. And I look at, you know, Old Testament and New Testament, and I, and there's very little in the New Testament that's telling me that how I'm living my life right now is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I got past the point where, you know what, like I know a lot of people in my church that are doing far worse out there mm-hmm. than me loving a woman. Yeah. Right. It's not like I'm running around and, you know, sleeping with any woman that I meet. Like right. I'm in, you know, one relationship with one person, you know, that's, that's how I roll in a, when I'm in a relationship, I'm committed to that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. to me, I was kind of like, I, this, isn't, this isn't wrong. You know, the scripture mm-hmm. that I used to point to was Old Testament. Jesus came, like, he is the law, right? right. Like, he got rid of a lot of – and a lot of the teachings were, you know, you go into Leviticus, you know, people that really want to look at their Bible. Like, we shouldn't be wearing cotton, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have the tattoos I have. Like, those are all sin. Well, they were there specifically for a time, for a reason. And I think we need to look at, yes, what does the Bible say, but look at it in context. Um, With that said, I also think that there's a lot of people twisting the context to make it their own. And that's where you need to, where when you can be really secure in your faith Mm -hmm. and confident in your faith is when you are, when you put the time in. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not looking for one piece of scripture. I spent years reading my Bible and listening to not just the sermons, not just the preaching, but listening to God himself, having that personal connection and relationship with Jesus and and finally being okay. I stopped going to church for a while, not because I felt condemned from the church. I just I I didn't feel in line with what I didn't feel in line with the church. Mm hmm. But I didn't stop loving the church. It was just, I, I feel like through this process, a lot of my faith deepened, if that makes any sense. Through the, through the, through the spirituality of it, not church, through you yes. being connected to God. Okay, yeah, I absolutely yeah, and, get that. And I think, and it's one of the things that, the, that there are a lot of Catholics that do this well, but a lot of us don't. And with any church, same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You go, mm-hmm. you hear what you're told, and that's it. You don't spend time yes. discerning what's being told. You don't spend time actually listening to God and his word. Mm-hmm. You're listening to man tell you God's word. You're listening mm-hmm. to man's interpretation of God's word, but you're not taking it. We are supposed to take it, internalize it, and interpret it for yeah. ourselves. And what does it mean and for study us? It and for me, that, was, that took a lot of time and discerning and listening. And mm-hmm. when I finally I, – I can't even remember when it was, but just one day I woke up and I felt at peace. Mm -hmm. And once I felt at peace and I didn't want to pray it away anymore, I was like, okay, this is who I am. Now, when it came time to tell people, I was like, how's this going to go? 
Like, <laughs> what's this going to look like? Right? Uh-huh. And so for me, I always thought, because I knew for a, for a while before I actually came out, or where I admitted it, right? Most people that have known me, you saw my Facebook. I, I mean, I do not look like a heterosexual woman. <laughs> so, I mean, people my whole life, when I came out, they were like, yeah, we've been waiting like 30 years for you to tell us. Like, you're, you know, you're the only one that didn't know. It's pretty much where that went, <laughs> you know. And, but when I came out, I, I always thought I would come out to my family and friends when I found somebody worth coming out about. Right. And that is so backwards and wrong. I was like, no, like I need to be out to my family and friends in order to find who it is that would be worth being with ah. and worth sharing life with. I can't yeah. be hiding. Like that's not fair right. to me. That's not fair to them. That's not fair to my family and friends. Right. And I also, I mean, and also the fact that I live like a couple miles from my parents and my sister, um, mm-hmm. you know, in a smaller kind of town. <laughs> You don't really want to try to date without people knowing what you're doing. Yeah. They're going to know. Yeah, you may as well know. tell them that. <laughs> but really for me, it was, it was coming to that. No, I need to be, I need to be able to say this out loud to people mm-hmm. that I care about, because mm-hmm. how can I, how can I do that to somebody else? You know, if there's somebody really worth it, then my, my family needs to know about me first mm-hmm. and not associate that news with somebody else coming in and, that person needs to be with the confident me that is secure enough in who I am to at least say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And so I, I came out with out to them, you know, before I really started dating, yeah. um, you know, of course my dad's like, so what does all this mean? I'm like, well, it doesn't really mean anything right now. Like I'm not seeing anybody, but I want to, I know mm-hmm. I want a relationship. I know I want to find my forever person. Right. Oh, no, that's, that's, just awesome to hear. So my question to you then is, because I, I went through the whole thing with the church. My church, my family, full of ministers. Um, grandfather was a pastor. Oh, yeah. So it was absolutely condemned. And they just totally basically cut me off for like the first three years after I was outed mm-hmm. in college. So oh, yeah. I have been a lot of growing on my own. Like you said, I had to get that peace with who I was because I, I tried to pray it away. I tried to date women mm-hmm. and act the part and do all of that. And then it just came to a point where I just, I was, I actually was suicidal and I felt God uh, in my spirit. Yeah. And he told me that, what are you struggling with? Cause I'm not struggling with it. He created me. And once I felt that right. in my spirit, it was easier for me. I have to tell you on a scale of one to 10, I'm still not publicly shouting it from the from the mountaintop. Like I go to a church, and I, you know, mm-hmm. they know because it's on social media. I don't hide anything on social media, and they know I'm married to right. a man. But it's not like I'm going to stand mm-hmm. up and speak at church and say I like my husband to stand. I'm not there yet. So um, right, I, I, you're, you're not making out in the pew. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not making out in the pew. Yeah, and he's a millennial, so he would be fine walking in, holding my hand, where I would probably faint. So, yeah, but I, I'm a lot better than I, I have been. So I'm I'm growing. Definitely. I had a couple a couple friends that do church. They're married to you know pastors, chaplains, who did reach out to me privately. Who did you know they they don't approve of this, right? This isn't where mm-hmm. they're at, and. We had we had a good conversation, not a debating conversation. The you know I'm not cool with this. Like I know you're getting a lot of support on Facebook. Like you're not going to see mine, but I'm also mm-hmm. not going to trash you there because that's not the place. 
And, you know, when I shared, I got two separate phone calls. And when I was sharing with other friends about these two calls, my friends were like all up in arms and pissed off and how dare they. And I was like, no, like, do you understand the love and courage it took for them to have that conversation with me? Because whether I agree with them or not, that's what they believe. And if they believe that I am separating myself from God, which now means, you know, death, right? If they if they believe that strongly, which is what I used to believe, they need to have that conversation with me because if they didn't, how's that showing love? And exactly. so for me, that was, that was really huge that they had the courage to have the conversation also show me love, mm-hmm. you know, and they're still praying for me and they're still caring about me. Just, they just don't, you know, they, they don't approve of that side of my life. They didn't cut me out, but yeah. I think it's, I think that is one of the biggest acts of love to not come at me, but to just say, hey, like, this isn't what I, I agree, believe with, this is why. And I, I respect that. I understand that. And I don't, you know, as people get angry, I think it's so important to also hear that side because yeah. I grew up a leaf. And if I believe that you're doing something that is going to kill you and I can save you and mm-hmm. I don't at least offer it, I'm a jerk. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, that's what they offered. And so, you know, it's not that every single person I met, you know, was cool and on board, but, you know, the love and support, it's, it's why it's so important to be around the right people in your life right and people. surround yourself intentionally with people that push you and challenge you and support you and mm-hmm. love you and will drag you when you need to be dragged and will be mm-hmm. there when you need to cry and will be your biggest cheerleader when you need that. Absolutely. That's what you need. And that's, you know, the other piece uh, when people ask about confidence, like alignment and the people you surround yourself with are always the two biggest things I talk about. Oh. Uh, I enjoy talking to you. I, I definitely want to talk to Dee about having you back when Champion Rising comes out. And you said that's when? Next month? Should be out next month. My friend is editing, so we are on the last phases of editing. So should be okay. out by the end of the month. Okay. Well, I would definitely love to have you back to talk about it. I've enjoyed our conversation. How can our listeners get more information and possibly work with you? Well, if they want to check out Dance Party Monday, like you did, the, the, <laughs> yeah. best place, the best place to find and connect with me and really get a good feel for who I am is on Facebook. I'm at Dawn D-I-M-I-C-C-O. D-I-M-I-C-C-O. I'm the only one there. If you are looking to get some kind of coaching, look for speaking opportunities, um, my website is epicredemption.com, and it'll take you to the different things that I have to offer um, there's opportunities for discovery calls and whatnot, depending on the area that you're specifically looking for. Uh, mm-hmm. I can also be reached by email. Um, it's dawn at epicredemption.com. And, of course, uh, the book that is out that's specifically talking about developing confidence is on Amazon, and that's uh, Courage Rising, Stop Settling, and Start Living a Brave Life with No Regrets. Awesome. Dawn, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight, and I look forward to having you back on. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Good show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate everyone for tuning in each and every week. Make sure that you visit the website Live with Will. That is 1LWIL.com, LiveWithWill.com for all past shows. This is episode 223, I believe. 
Um, next week, 4th of July, we will not be having a show live. Um, it will be a repeat, but we will be back live in the studio on Tuesday, July the 11th with Miss LaShawna F. She's going to talk to us about the true meaning of self-care, mind, body, and spirit. She said a lot of people think it's just about getting your nails done and pampering yourself, but there's a lot more to it. So she's going to be back on the July 11th, Tuesday. Same place, same time. I appreciate all of you, and make sure that you have a freaking good rest of the week, all right? Talk to you soon. Love you. Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it, 